And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host, Rich Hammond Rich. How we doing? Welcome to this week's episode of Rams Therapy, um, in, <laughs> in which we How do you try, to inter- try to entertain and lift everybody's spirits for yet another uh, week. Um, it's gotten a little grim, Jordan. Three and seven for the Rams after this latest loss to the New Orleans Saints. Um, things aren't looking good. We've known that for a while. They haven't been trending in the right direction. Uh, we've got a bit to talk about coming out of this game. I know people want to talk about the defense. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but for people know we record, uh, generally speaking, on Monday afternoons. It is Monday afternoon right now. And uh, you just got off the call with Sean McVay. And we learned a little bit about uh, the short-term future of Matthew Stafford. And I think we're going to learn more throughout the week. Uh, for those who don't know, Matthew Stafford had to leave the game early in the third quarter, uh, did not return. And um, <laughs> let's just start, Jordan. What what do we know? Right Let me now? take because, everyone through the process. Yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a it's hard to track all the details in the moment. And it's just it like yeah. may seem boring or non non important. But that just the process of like kind of the sequencing of all of this stuff does bear noting because this is an important timeline. This is the franchise quarterback. This is um being pulled from a game for um you know to to be potentially evaluated the team announced he was being evaluated for a concussion after he was being pulled from the game um now while there was no formal announcement that he had entered the protocol the announcement from the t- the PR which they have to do it's mandated by the league said he's being evaluated for a concussion in the game after a third down sack that was pretty bad you could see the reactions from the linemen in the moment and um, did not re-enter the game. Then after the game, after the loss on Sunday in New Orleans, um, the Rams, Sean McVay and the Rams as a team said that they were sort of awaiting further tests back in Los Angeles to determine whether or not Matthew Stafford would formally be, be placed in the concussion protocol. So in talking to Sean McVay, um, this afternoon, which is Monday afternoon, on a call with The Beat, um, myself and, and Gary Klein of the Los Angeles Times were asking questions about this particular process. And we were, and, and basically the, the theme of the questioning is, is he in the concussion protocol? The answer to that from Sean McVay is they're still gathering information to determine whether or not he will go into the concussion protocol. It bears repeating that he didn't enter the concussion protocol the last time, which was two weeks ago until Tuesday of that week. So um, the, the timeline kind of lines up based on past precedent that the Rams themselves had sent in terms set in terms of this process. Um, 
McVeigh really reiterated that he and the team is in an information gathering process. And he also said that once he receives the pertinent information um, and the team receives the pertinent information, which is everything from a diagnosis to medical advice to the results of the testing as juxtaposed to the baseline testing that these players go through every year and, and all of these details, um, then they would have a conversation. If it if he were required to be placed in the concussion protocol, they would have a, con- a conversation inclusive of family members, inclusive of, you know, the player, the coach, the team, the family. Um, and so it's kind of, it, it's a developing situation. So while we don't know much, we are kind of smack in the middle again of a developing situation and the stakes, they feel really high, not just professionally and certainly not for the state of this football team as a football team, but also um, as, as a person, the, the stakes feel personally high. I did go back and listen to Kelly Stafford's podcast after his first uh, entrance into the concussion protocol earlier this month. And she was understandably very, very emotional about the entire thing. And so this is a developing situation that as Sean McVay reiterated is inclusive of a lot of people having this conversation, including Matthew about what's best for him in the short term and the long term. And I did make sure to ask Sean as well, you know, are there also extraneous variables like the state of where the team is, the state, you know, implying the state of the line, those types of things. And he said, yes, but first and foremost, they need to get the information that he is saying that the team does not yet have. Okay. Uh, I want to be very careful how I phrase some of this because none of this is um, amusing and none of it is uh, sarcastic at all. Um, I care a great deal about these players' health and um, I think that it should be taken very seriously and deliberately. Um, It's now 24 plus hours after the game and I I guess I'm just a little curious about the timeline of some of these things because um, as you said, Matthew Stafford went into the protocol two weeks ago on a Tuesday which is two days after the game. And and now it appears that it could be another 48 hours after this past game, whether they determine whether or not he needs to go into the protocol. I, I guess, do, do I have a, a okay, maybe a misunderstanding of what the protocol involves? Um, and and I'm, I'm just a little unclear why that's specific. Like I, I read what Sean McVay said. I read it a couple of times about needing to get the information from the medical staff, which I certainly understand and absolutely a team should do that. I guess I'm just a little confused why um, it takes so long for that to happen if that is indeed what they're waiting for. So uh, I I sought some clarity on this point last night in New Orleans in the bowels of the Superdome because this was confusing to me. I was under the impression that if a player was announced by, so whichever public relations staff is the the staff that hosts they are responsible for announcing injuries and you have to you're required by the league to do it a series on whichever side of the ball that happens a series after the player leaves the field if the evaluation um is ongoing if the player has not yet returned to the game if the player mm-hmm. misses a series essentially right. then you're required to announce it as was my understanding and my understanding on Sunday night was Matthew Stafford was officially announced to be being evaluating evaluated for a concussion. And if a player re-enters the game or if a player clears the protocol, 
um, that's a little bit more of a gray area because if they clear in the moment, if they clear the protocol in the moment and don't re-enter the game, I don't know whether the team is required to then make an announcement. If they do re-enter the game, they are okay. required to say this player has been cleared. cleared. That's where some of the confusion is. And, and honestly, at, at a certain point, you know, some of it gets too gets so into the weeds, but this is really important. I mean, this is a, a human being and, and his brain and his long-term health and all of these things. Right. And so where I was seeking clarity last night after the game was if he entered the concussion protocol, in, or excuse me, if he was being evaluated for a concussion in the game and was not announced by anybody to be have cleared to have cleared from that evaluation, in part also did not re-enter because he did not re-enter the game, does that mean he's in the concussion protocol? And the answer that I got was he will undergo further testing when back in Los Angeles to determine whether he will be formally placed in the concussion protocol. Um, so the thing is, is it's not like a broken leg or a broken arm or anything where, you know, in the moment that something's not right. It's not like you could get an x-ray and determine in the moment that something's not right. This is not a sort of binary situation where it either is or isn't. Sometimes you can go a day or two days and symptoms show up. Sometimes you have symptoms immediately and then they go away and then they come back depending on certain things, certain environmental triggers. Um, this is a very complicated injury and it's one that the league is in general not transparent on about at all. And that's Which part is, of the issue. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and so systemically, there's an issue here. And I think that's why there's some uh, corresponding confusion and not cohesiveness in some of the messaging because of an overarching issue in which this is a very, as we know now, these are very serious situations that have long-term effects on a person, a human being's life and well-being. And you want to be as clear as possible with something that is never usually completely clear by nature of the injury that then the league historically has not been transparent about. So I think that's where right. we're always asking, what if? It's why certainly today, it's why myself and Gary Klein of the LA Times were pressing in a press conference, not aiming to be disrespectful, but right. aiming to seek more clarity while also understanding everybody on either side of this understands that sometimes there is no clarity, but trying to seek as much transparency as possible. Um, and, and, and it's a, it's an, it, it, the best I got right now is it's a developing situation. Okay. Um, so uh, I guess we'll see what happens over the next uh, couple of days here. It's just, it's, it's, it's just a little interesting. I mean, coming off of the previous, you know, when two, two weeks ago when he was in the, protocol you know goes in on a tuesday and then i know again you're talking jordan um about how you are very diligent and it, it i want to be very clear here and I, i've said this back when i was on the beat too it's it's not that i feel entitled to any answers it's not that i feel entitled to certain information it's just a, i think when you ask questions um you, you hope to get as much clarity as possible and as much transparency as possible and i, I just thought it was kind of interesting last week even to the point where you know, again, you were you were asking very specific questions uh, about what was going on, and and asking why Sean McVay couldn't say whether or not he, uh, Matthew Stafford even had a concussion, and this was a week after he went into the protocol, and uh, Sean indicated that he didn't know 
whether Matthew Stafford had had a concussion. And and now we're back in the situation where we're not sure whether he's going to go into the protocol or not. Um, there, there's a lot of moving parts here. I, I understand. And, and I know that with time, they will they will be revealed. <laughs> it's not there. There is a certain um you know, push the, a certain urgency to want to have answers right now. And sometimes answers aren't immediately uh, available. But uh, I think that all we can ask for is just a, a, a little um, transparency and and hope that the, the questions are being answered to the to the fullest ability um, at the time they're being asked. Um, so certainly uh, wish for the best uh, for, for Matthew Stafford. This is a very uh, it's in a very important time for him, Jordan. And I mean, what do you th- think? let's let's take out of the equation you know whether there's a concussion protocol or not obviously that's an important question to answer but i think there's probably a bigger question to ask here which is is it smart for the rams to put matthew stafford back out on the field regardless um is it smart for them is it smart for matthew stafford um nobody can answer that question except the rams and their quarterback uh but I think it's a question that that needs to be asked at this point with seven games uh, left in the season. Is it worth putting him back out there in this situation? What I think is tough to answer here is, first of all, it's not worth putting anyone in that situation. And I think what's tough to answer here is, you know, there's a lot of conversation happening right now about focusing on the, the person first and not the football player. And a part of that is that Matthew Stafford has taken 63 hits behind this offensive line. It is a historic most for a Sean McVay-led team. Um, This offensive line has gone through 10 different alignments in 10 games, might go through an 11th. Ty hurt his ankle. Indication is that it's day-to-day, but still don't know if he's going to be able to play Sunday against Kansas City. And it's every single week, it's something. And at a certain point, it becomes, you know, I hope this isn't too strong of a word, but it becomes obscene to put anybody back there. And when we talk about the person versus the football player, and if there's there's that emphasis being placed on a person's safety, you know, you have to also ask the question, is it safe to put... Bryce Perkins back there? No. Is it safe to put John Walford back there? No. Right. Not there's no good answer here. That's the problem. There is no good answer. And so when you're looking at it, there's there's no possible way to strictly just look at this all equally as person versus football player because now you have to make a football decision. You have to make a football decision of whether you're going to say we're going to shut down the franchise quarterback and throw a in, someone who is inexperienced and not equipped probably um, to be thrown into this very adverse situation with what has happened up front for the Rams. Now you're looking at human beings all experiencing similar stakes, but now you have to make a football decision. Does that make sense? So that there's no, there's nothing good or right about any of this. And I hate, right. I, I hate to make it sound like, the line is bad. It's not, it is, I don't think it is no one's fault. The historic freak slate of crazy oh. cat- catastrophic injuries. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I've seen some bad offensive lines, guys. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. 
But I, I remember Jordan. We, I, we, <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. I'm Sorry. just saying. I've I've never seen anything like this. I would be hard pressed to find a streak of injuries like this in history, week over week over week over week. And it is no good situation. The only thing yeah. you can say, maybe, maybe is if you do put Bryce Perkins in, which that would be my call, and John Walford is still recovering from a neck injury, um, it would be my call to put Bryce Perkins in, but only specifically because you can run the ball more effectively with Bryce Perkins at quarterback because of the dimension that he lends to the run game and the way that that particular element better sets up a play action, which then in turn protects the quarterback. That is what I'm saying specifically. Right. Yeah. I, I think we're, I think everybody understands what we're saying here. It's, it's not, you're not saying, Oh, it's okay to put Bryce Perkins back there because it's okay. If he gets injured, that's not what anybody is saying. Um, and we don't want anybody to get hurt. You don't want anybody to be in that situation. But the reality of the situation is you have to put somebody at quarterback. And, and I think, do you? Way- I mean, the Rams have done weird stuff before, man, like, <laughs> Cam Akers, uh, Wildcat, uh, um, R- uh, Riley Dixon threw a pretty good ball a few weeks ago. Maybe they could try. <laughs> uh, but here's here's how I look at it. it. It's not valuing one human being over another. I I don't I don't think anybody looks at it that way. The way that you have to look at it is you're looking at 2023 now, and you are. Let's take concussions out of the equation. Let's talk about the possibility that you can put somebody back there and have a broken leg or a broken ankle or, you know, something really, really serious that knocks them out for most of the offseason or maybe into training camp, tear an ACL, uh, things like this. Never mind the head injury stuff that's scary on its own. So the question becomes, do you want to put Matthew Stafford, even if his head issues are 100 percent, no concerns? He's no better or worse than you, me, or anybody else. Do you want to put him in a situation where he could suffer one of those injuries playing behind this offensive line that puts his the start of his 2023 season in question? And no, you don't want that to happen to Bryce Perkins either. I don't want to see him suffer any. No, kind but that's of why I'm like saying that that's why I'm saying it's a football decision. Like it's there's a football a, decision. I, I believe it that people are concerned about the people. I, I believe that. I get that. I'm saying yeah. I'm saying there's no way that this can be a decision about a person. No. Thoroughly a decision about a person just by itself, a decision about a person, because it will be a long term football decision that they make. That's all I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. And that that's exactly how I look at it, too. In the same way with Cooper Cup, you know, when he's potentially able uh, to come back, do you, do you put him back in there on a team that could be I don't know what the record will be at that point, but it probably won't be a playoff uh, caliber record. Do you put him back in that situation where he could potentially suffer another injury? Why? Why would you do that? Why would you use that football asset in that way? It's not a smart thing to do. Independent of you don't want it again, as we're saying now for the third or fourth time, you don't want any human being to suffer an injury like that. But uh, you have to, you know, manage your football assets and and make sure that you're doing that in in a smart way. And I don't think it's necessarily smart to do that, especially as we've talked about ad nauseum here. You you have a window. You have a window in which you are trying to win another championship. And if you start putting some, some of that 2023 season in peril because you're playing guys in what could end up being meaningless games here at the end of the season, it's just not smart. It's I understand you have 
we have a lot of listeners who buy tickets to these games and you know I, I understand that i'm not dismissing that at all i understand you want a quality product on the field uh but you also have to look at it as jordan just said from a from a football standpoint and you, you have the long-term health of your players long-term health of your roster in mind and i'm just not sure that that's the right thing to do. And that's, I think Sean McVay indicated that in, that in, in his comments to you and to Gary today is that's the, that's, an, that's a further step that they have to discuss too, is you, you get through whatever this, you know, medical thing that you have going on, uh, you know, get that squared away. And then there might be another discussion of, Hey, is this the right thing to do? And I certainly understand why that conversation would take place. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruit and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Jordan, do we think, could they be looking outside the building here? potentially for for somebody i mean i guess they would have to for for at least a backup quarterback if if it comes to that but i mean what's what's the situation there and what by the way what's some of the other situations because i know there were Ashawn robinson didn't come out of that game very well either so yeah how are it just they, keeps how are they coming looking? guys rams fans just plug your ears at this point yeah. like it just 
Play some soothing music. It's just not. It's all. It's uh, I've never seen anything like this before. I mean, I know every team is injured right now. Teams go through injuries, but compound. They usually are spread out across a roster like compounded like this is not. It's just not. And then and then, oh, um, now you're one of your one of the best run stopping defensive tackles in the league. Um is now has a knee injury that uh, quote unquote doesn't look good according to Sean McVay. Um, and you're coming up to that point in the season where if you lose a guy for multiple weeks, he's probably done for the season. So, you know, with Ashawn Robinson, it's just one thing after another, after another, I don't think Ashawn Robinson will be back this week. Um, I'm still waiting on information of whether he will be back this season at all. Sounds like he's also undergoing further tests mentioned Tynaseki as well. And Daryl Henderson um, pulled up with a little bit of a knee situation during pregame warmups. And um, that was communicated to the coaching staff. And so that affected his carries in the game. We're going to get to the one, one of the few bright spots in this game here in a minute. We'll go through this game quickly because I know you guys just don't want to suffer anymore. But at this, you know, it, there's just it's one thing after another, after another, after another with these injuries, Rich. Yeah, it's it's unbelievable. I mean, I, I I forgot a point I was going to make when you were talking about the offensive line there. I remember, I, I think it was on our podcast here, or maybe I was doing a radio hit or something, but I remember late in the preseason when people were talking about the offensive line, you know, when they were playing all backups. And, and I remember making kind of a flippant comment that was along the lines of, well, yeah, these are the five backups. Like, if you ever had the five backups in a game, of course you would. And we are so far beyond that now. We are so far beyond even the five backups in the game. I mean, what is this left tackle number four? This is right. Yeah, This'll, this is left. Bobby tackle, Evans being in there. Left tackle number four. If Bobby Evans plays, this would be fourth left tackle. Starting. Um, they, I just ran through this in one of my columns and now I'm going to forget it. It's like the Tuesday is Wednesday, Wednesday is Thursday thing yeah. all over again. Um, but it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, it's, well beyond a two or even a three deep at all positions except for right tackle. And a lot of right. a lot was made in the beginning of the year about um, when these when this first started happening, a couple guys would go down here and there about the Rams not investing in their offensive line. So I think you can argue that they maybe made an incorrect investment. We saw, I think, enough of Joe Noteboom to know that maybe that long term wasn't going to be the answer to a post Whitworth existence. Right. And I think Joe's great. I think that he was really successful um, in, you know, filling in when he needed to come in in the past, but, oh, you know, he got, so, he got enough reps against really solid defensive fronts, which is fair to, to include got enough reps to say that, you know, you really were optimistic about Alaric Jackson, perhaps even more than Joe Noteboom, understanding that, Oh, Alaric Jackson is an undrafted free agent. So you can't really, you know, and then the Brian Allen situation, that's been a repeated injury that he's had the knee and the thumb Coleman Shelton and Alaric Jackson are two of the guys who've been playing the best of any of their linemen this entire season. And both of those guys are undrafted free agents. And they're also grading out in terms of their pass blocking and their run blocking again, con including contextually just the massive pile of crap that has surrounded this unit in terms of injury luck this entire year, 
those two guys contextually in, in the rest of the league, I've been tracking their pressures allowed while they were healthy. I was tracking their run blocking. They were playing pretty well. And even as it relates to overall league rankings of linemen in general. So there was a lot made where it's like, oh, they're not investing in the line. Okay. I think you could argue that they maybe didn't pick the right guys to pay this off season. Although with Brian, if he's healthy, you really want to, uh, you really want him at center and not necessarily because of some of the physical stuff, but definitely him and Stafford, how they work together and his tenacity and sort of the way he brings everybody along with him, like in terms of that mindset, that's kind of what I, I'm saying. So you can kind of argue that they didn't make the right investments this offseason in that regard, but you also can't argue that they just paid zero attention because the guy they drafted in the third round, Logan Russ, who we don't even know what he could have been capable of because we didn't see him outside of a preseason game. And Coleman Shelton was just playing that good that he won the job. And you could see why. I mean, he does everything for them at this point. Um, and and the two undrafted free agents who were total fines, in my opinion, and Alaric Jackson is just going to be special for this group, I think. And so, and David Edwards and like Rob, you've got, you've got a group, right? Maybe you had the wrong group to start the season. I think that's maybe what you could argue, but no team is going to invest their salary cap in a hard capped league to the point where you're fully prepared to roster plug and play a a two deep across the line. You get five guys. And so you have to pick, right? So it's again, both things are true. Multiple things are true. You have to pick the right guys, the the right five, first of all, and pay the right five. So that's where some of this disconnect is happening. But you also, then you get maybe like one to two viable swingmen who are going to be active for you on game day. Maybe just one in most cases. You're never going to roster and pay a full two deep. You're never going to roster and pay a near full three deep or four deep, or in some positions, a five deep, which is where the Rams are looking at now. That is the the contrast between investment and picking the right investment and also just a ab- absolute freaking catastrophe that they've suffered. I'm not saying it excuses the, the investment right. decisions. I'm just saying that the argument of, um, you know, resource allocation to a certain position maybe doesn't hold up as much when you're looking at the absolute catastrophic slew of injuries while also being true and holding space in our heads for maybe the direction of some of that investment went in the wrong direction. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was a point where you could say, okay, you lose a couple players. You should have the depth to be able to replace them. Perfectly understandable. Um, true. Once you get to this point, give me a break. Like there's nothing. It's like saying it's like an NBA team and saying, Oh, you're, you're on your fourth point guard and, and your offense should be running the same way that you did with your starting point guard. It's not going to happen. You're not carrying four point guards on your roster who are going to run an NBA offense the, the way that you need them to. And it's the same way with the offensive line. You're not going to get a four deep or even a three deep and, and be doing the same things that, that you can do, uh, with your starters. It's not going to happen. Totally agree with you. That doesn't excuse individual decisions where you could say uh, they they missed on a specific player or a specific draft pick or a specific contract. But when you get yeah. to this level of 
awfulness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know other another word to say. Andy it, Dufresne but... <laughs> situation happening <laughs> yeah, here. You know? It's just like you all know. You all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> it, it's 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 ridiculous. I mean, you can't you can't say that it's it's personnel at that point. I Andy mean, Dufresne in the tunnel at this point. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I, I've never I've never seen anything like it. It's 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 bizarre. It's utterly bizarre. Yeah, but, you said it. You said it better than than my rant encapsulated rich but yes you succinctly summed up no much but it's, than it's what I said. there's yeah. two sides of it there then you, you can you can talk about both sides of it but you you have to understand that it doesn't matter even if they made every draft pick perfect and and re-signed every player that they needed to if they were in this situation they would still be in the muck it wouldn't matter it wouldn't matter how good those draft picks were uh because they're in they're in just a panic situation right now and that being said yeah thought this line played pretty well. I mean, the recency bias and the really bad moment where Matthew Stafford gets hit on third and long, like that's terrible. You don't want that, obviously. Right. But they only gave up two hits into the third quarter at that point, and they were running the ball really well. And we've talked about, well, okay, let me let me back. No, I Jordan can ball, see me. They are I, running I started the ball to smile really well in yeah. juxtaposition to how bad it's been the entire year. Like I, yeah. I was like, they are moving some space. The running backs were creating in the ways that they maybe hadn't so confidently done so. Um, yeah. Cam Akers, Kyron Williams tandem. I remember telling you guys um, and mentioning this, and sometimes people tweet at me every once in a while, like the. Um, it was in a column a while back, and like the fantasy football sites sometimes will come and find me and put a little screen cap in, in my mentions of like uh, at some point expecting Kyron Williams to long-term take over the Daryl Henderson role. Yes. Yes, guys. That's what it looks like. I thought both of them were running and creating and effectively doing things that they, that they've been needing to do. And I thought the line held up in that regard, especially that interior that featured Skura, Coleman Shelton in the middle and Odeabushi on the right side. Now they were on a silent count and you could see, that Matt Scora has has finally come into that language, has finally, especially they knew they were going to be in a loud dome, regardless of the crowd size or whatever. That dome is loud. So in in putting him in there, you have to have a guy in there who knows the language of this of the offense, who knows the silent count, which is again part of my this is my thesis, my opinion, uh, my hypothesis. That being said, like I think that. Bobby Evans knew the language at a more comfortable rate where you didn't have to change over the offense. You could just change the player, one player out of 11. And instead this time around, Matt Scora now has sort of had, have this has more of this comfort. Like you could see that they were working the count and and that kind of a thing. And I think that that looked really good in terms of the way they were running the ball. And then, like I said, when you put Bryce Perkins in some of the ways where he was pulling the run fake out and some of the ways where um, you were kind of delaying the handoff. So it looked like it might've been a run fake or might've been a play action. Like because of, of the the threat that he is on the ground that added even more dimension to what they were doing. And then they could rotate in the backs more and get Kyron Williams on some of those really big gains that third and long. I noted this on, on Twitter, that third and that third and long that generally is a, get to the right hash and, or get to the correct hash, I mean, and set up a, a better field goal play, like sort of a white flag. We're going to kick a field goal play when Bryce Perkins. And I believe it was, was it Kyron? Yeah, it was Kyron Williams ran it on third. And I think it was eight. They picked up 17 because the defenders had to account for the fact that maybe Bryce Perkins was going to start moving with the ball himself. And they had to account for him as a runner. And so when you hesitate like that, or you, 
keep things wide so you can contain a quarterback on the perimeter who is going to run, that gives your back more space to run. It adds more dimension. That's what I say, more dimension. And so I think those types of things, but like I wrote in my column, Rich, it's like with this team, one thing can go well and the universal karmic balance of of this place right now is that, okay, great, good for you guys. One thing's going really well. Right. Now, 10 things have to catastrophically fall apart, including a defense that has regressed in a place of the season, a part of the season, November, December, where it usually starts to emerge into its best form historically, including last year. And instead, and so now, you know, like I said in my column, what's up is down, what's down is up. The run game was great for the first time this season. The defense was was just not good at all um, in in terms of, of playing as a unit. And allowing some of those those game changing plays. Yeah, no. It, it, the only thing I would add about the run game is that they also committed to it, and I know that's it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound like faint praise coming from me or or sarcasm, but I mean they they did, and it it wasn't always perfect, but but they stayed with it, and they didn't they didn't panic and throw up their hands every time there was a one yard gain and say, well that's not working, so we got to throw the ball now. Like they stayed with it. And they allowed that line to generate some momentum and and they had some balance. I mean, like you said, even when Bryce Perkins was in there, they still had that balance. And and, you know, he made a couple nice throws there at the, in the fourth quarter, too. It wasn't just running. It was they had that balance to where he could he could throw the ball to Tyler Higby, could throw the ball to Allen Robinson and, and move it down the field a little bit. It wasn't it wasn't beautiful. It wasn't a pretty thing to behold. But I guess that's my entire point with these last couple of weeks is that it's not going to be beautiful. It's not going to be pretty regardless of Matthew Stafford is in there or whoever's in there. Like you just got to do whatever you can do. You're in a crisis mode right now. Like you have to do whatever you can do to, to move the ball. And I, I say all that as a, as ultimately as a compliment to them, because I thought in this game, they, they did maximize that. I thought they did do whatever they could, whatever they needed to do to move the ball. So I thought in some weird way, it was, it was, Given the circumstances, given the personnel, I thought it was one of the better offensive games uh, that that we've seen. And you know, putting putting it in the proper context, the defense, like you said, Jordan. I mean, we go, we go right. You have well, such they a finally knowledge. Broke, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, well, after all of this strain to try to hold everything right. together, and I'm making it a metaphor, guys. Like, let's be clear here. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying like you know we can quantify this or not, but it's like that feel that you get being around this group every single day, that strain of holding this entire thing together for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. And then there, to me, it just feels like a group that just is reeling, that just is tired. That's sort of just like, ugh, you know, that just is, is the, the errors and some of the, you know, they were mixing their coverages yesterday and just some of the errors. I mean, you, it just, it's, it, none of this is what this defense would normally look like at this time of year. Yeah. To me, it's, I mean, we can, we're, I know we bang our heads against the wall talking about scheme and we can continue to talk about scheme for hours and hours if we want. But you look at some of the breakdowns and their, their mistakes 
They're not, it's, it's not scheme. It's, it's got you, you look at the, I don't know what touchdown it was, but you know, you got guys in the end zone looking at each other with their arms outstretched. Like what, like that's not scheme. That's either communication or somebody wasn't lined up in the right spot or somebody didn't take the handoff the right way. I don't know what it was. I'm not in their huddle. I'm not on their sideline. I don't know, but it's something, it's something that went wrong there. Or when uh, Olave, you know, just goes on a nice little, jaunts up the middle of the field and nobody picks him up and and he catches and runs for 56 yards or whatever it was for a touchdown well he was picked up and he yeah. beat two guys he, well, well yeah that i you're right i said yeah. that incorrectly but i mean <laughs> that that's that that's that's something you've got to clean up not like, to laugh not to laugh but like no yeah, it was yeah no yeah but that's I mean, that's something you should be able to stop. I, I don't know. It was interesting, Jordan. Like, I know you're you're there in the stadium, but, uh, you know, I, I was watching it here on on uh, home on TV and, and uh, Jonathan Vilma, who's the analyst for the game on uh, on Fox. He said something really. He, he I think it was when they, they actually had cut it to seven there later on. And he came on and he said, man, I, I, I'm paraphrasing him. I, I wouldn't want to misquote him, but he certainly said something to the effect of wow, the body language on these Rams defenders is just really bad right now, which I think in general is kind of a dangerous thing to say. Like, I don't like reading into people's mm -hmm. uh, emotions, but I also respect Jonathan Vilma as somebody who you know played this game at a, a high level. And he's, he's a very smart guy. So the fact that he kind of picked that up and, and that was a drive too, where the Rams had cut it to seven and you kind of thought, I don't know, maybe maybe a miracle could happen here. You know, maybe you get a stop or maybe you get a pick six and and and, you know, the, the game can turn around. But I, in a way, I kind of agreed with him. It was they just did not have that. Like you, you would think in that situation, you would come out like, all right, guys, you know, this is it. Like this is we're going to fly to the ball. We're going to make something happen here. And they just didn't have it. It wasn't there. And I tend to think, Jordan, that you're correct. I tend to agree with you that. That's just it feels like a cumulative thing. It it feels like, you know, two months worth of, oh, my goodness, we've been you know, we've been trying to do this and, you know, trying to carry the load. It doesn't excuse anything. It doesn't excuse mistakes. It doesn't excuse whatever it is that's going out there. But it does kind of start to feel that way. Like this is just this is out of our hands now. Yeah. First and foremost, I would I would say aside from all the concussion conversation and questioning of um <clears throat> of Sean McVay today I would also go through and watch the end of his press conference especially people who do who are curious about this who are are legitimately genuinely interested in learning about what's going on who are less interested in like sort of diagnosing it as just one problem and sticking with it through the entire year like people who are genuinely interested in understanding what's going on. I would go and listen to the end of the press conference because I did ask Sean McVay, you know, this team overall, if we're looking at the full body of work, it is really hard to run against this football team. Teams cannot run against them, really, genuinely, consistently. It, there's been big breaks every once in a while, a couple explosives. You know, the 49ers generally try to make this their their plan, all that. Like, but overall, it is it is really hard to run against this team. They entered last week's game number four in run DVOA. That's a situational stat for people who say like numbers don't matter. That factors in the situation of the play itself, uh, of the ball carry, of the blocking. It factors in a lot of things. It's really important. 
to use things like that versus yards per carry or yards overall and total yards in general. Anyway, I, I want to make this as succinct as possible for people who are legitimately interested in understanding what's going on. I would go and listen to the end of Sean McVay's press conference where I was asking him about this defense in the sense that teams know there is really only one ba- way to beat the Rams defense and legitimately one way to beat the 2022 Los Angeles Rams because their offense is not a factor. There is one way to beat this team and it is to do the exact same thing that the 49ers have always done against this football team and even strip it down without the nuance that the Niners have in the run game, without the yak, without the, you know, what they're doing is, okay, we cannot really run against this front. Can't do it. Just can't. They're going to dink and dunk and and pick and pick and pick and tell the quarterback and repeat in his brain and stamp it, you know, on every page of his little notebook every single day, patience, discipline, patience, discipline, low read, low read, low read, low read, low read, low read, low read. And the quarterback to the point of the quarterback is saying it in his sleep. Okay. That is the only way you can beat this team. And here's where we have to start accepting multiple things being true. Like, this is what I think, okay? And when I say this is what I think, I say it as a person who, I think this is reflective of my own insanity, but someone who has studied this thing to the point of, like, just abnormality, right? For years, studied this this because I, I really am fascinated by it, and I think it's interesting and I want to learn about it. So this is what I think. Understanding that my entire professional life <laughs> is spent studying what these people do with the football on either side of the ball. So with that context, <laughs> this is what I think. I think that they, this team has made a bargain after understanding that this offense is, no, is a non-factor very early on in the year. I think that this group has made a bargain to where they've said this defense is going to do everything we can to not lose the game. That means playing some of the most infuriating cushion coverage that fans hate to prevent explosives because it is a fact. It's not an opinion. It is a fact that explosive passing plays in particular triple the scoring rate, not just the scoring rate, the touchdown rate on a drive in which an explosive explosive passing play happens. Okay. So you're saying that is, that is the highest probability metric that we can attack using a type of coverage and a type of principle that isn't necessarily what we want to play. They want to play a cranking down aggressive multiple match zone where they're jumping routes and they're taking risks and they're they're do or die on certain plays and they're pressing like you've seen sometimes the you know so sometimes you've seen the Broncos do or like you've seen other teams mix up these types of things where they're pressing down and they're really daring the quarterback to beat them instead they're saying our offense is a non-factor it is up to the defense to make sure we don't lose this game so that we can do maybe maybe just enough as an offense to win which automatically tells you where they're at in this season and what the state of this team is. This is what I think. And so when you do that, when you're 
playing not to lose, you're committing to that, then teams can can pick away at you if they stay disciplined on the other side. But then you can still make stops. And for a long part of the year, they were. The Rams were going forcing three and outs at a top 10 rate in the NFL. But on the other side, the offense was going three and out in response to those stops 40% of the time. That's exhausting. So when you're seeing this defense on the field all the time, it's because they are on the field all the time, whether by their own doing or by another team's doing. You never have a lead, okay? Really, you never have a true lead this entire year. Um, I can't remember the last time the Rams were ahead by more than one score. And if you never have a true lead this entire year, then you have to be even more conservative with what you're doing, particularly against the pass on the other side, because you know you're stopping the run really well, no matter what front structure you play. So teams are going to try to pass against you because they know that's the only way to beat your team. So you have to be extra conservative on that side because you know, even if you're holding a four-point lead like the Rams were, that might be enough if your defense plays a perfectly conservative game on the other side and doesn't allow the explosives. The breakdown the last couple of weeks has been allowing explosives on crucial downs, crucial downs, fourth and three, pass explosive. Um, then that leads to a touchdown. Um, third and 10, pass explosive for a touchdown. That's the backbreaker um, of this play. And so all of these things sort of compound and a lot of it too has to do with, I think, personnel. And, you know, there's a certain point where you maybe as a, you know, as a coordinator, you just have, have to let go and say, fine, even if you're not necessarily ready to be this aggressive, even if it puts our offense in a terrible spot, maybe we start being more aggressive. Maybe we start doing these things and, and jumping these, these routes, the way that you've seen Troy Hill do these things, the way that you've seen, um, and I misspoke the other week, the way that Raheem Morris said he wants to see Taylor Rapp do more of, um, you know, it, it's sort of a double-edged sword because if you've made an agreement or a bargain with the offense or an unspoken bargain, that you're going to understand that they cannot score and they can't allow you to, as Aaron Donald puts it, pin your ears back and be aggressive in a way that this defense is most alive and functional and kind of awesome as a schematic concept it doesn't look like this. It's not supposed to look like this. This is what I've been trying to argue. They have not been playing well. They don't look like themselves. They look disjointed. They look at times like just tired out there and 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 more like more so not gassed, but like just tired of the position that they're constantly being asked to be in as a corresponding result of an offense that cannot function. 20 points was a dang miracle yesterday. Yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. That's what I say. In context, that was maybe the best offensive game of the season. And it's a double-edged sword, Rich, because when you're agreeing, you're finally you're saying, okay, we're gonna do everything we can to make it so we're not losing this game on the defensive side to to just continue to give at least a game opportunity to the offense to try to put something together. Other teams can absolutely take advantage of that and dink and dunk you to death. They right. can absolutely take advantage of that, and that's what they're doing. And in part, that neutralizes the pass rush. But but again, it's like the, the quote-unquote, the lesser of two evils that you've chosen because you can limit points, which the Rams were doing, outside of these last two weeks when they've completely, in my opinion, totally imploded their ethos and their philosophy and just don't look like what they're supposed to look like at all. 
when when you are limiting points the way that they've limited, you're at least giving your offense a chance. You know, as conservative right. as you're playing, as as limited as the pass rush becomes, as um, as bad as your pressure rate is, as much as you have to manufacture actual pressure, as lopsided as the edge rushers are, as much as Aaron Donald is doing as much as he can and and just isn't getting help where he needs it. Like you can you can live with all of that if you're not allowing points, if you're not allowing touchdowns specifically. And right. the last couple of weeks, the floodgates have opened. Yeah. And I just yeah. think that's a, it's a symbol of some of the disconnect that we're seeing. And so, again, I reiterate, I'm not going to try to paraphrase or quote someone out of context. You know, like I said, I misspoke on what Raheem was saying about Taylor Rapp last week in that he wants him to play underneath a little bit more press, a little bit more match concepts underneath in that zone shell. Wants him to do that kind of similar to what Eric Weddle was doing in the postseason last year. Um, and, and so, you know, I'm not going to try to paraphrase, you know, paraphrase a, a press conference that, you know, I don't have the transcript right in front of me as we're speaking. Um, but I do urge you guys to go watch that, watch what he says about the conversation and the troubleshooting and the negotiations that happen within the overall context of an entire team where each phase of a football team is interdependent on each other to be successful. Yeah, no, I was actually just the it's funny the email came through while you were while you were talking there so I was reading some of what um Sean was saying there. And 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 then even like you said Jordan, even even if you make that decision, you still have to there's certain things that that have to go along with that. You you can't give up these explosives. Exactly. I mean if, if that's what if that's the entire point, and it sounds obvious, but if the entire point of the thing is to limit the explosives and you're giving up explosives, then what's the point? But then on the flip side, people who who want a more aggressive defense go play, go play, press. Well, who do you think are these guys who are getting beat? It's the same guys, and now you like they're not going to suddenly become better, more communicative, uh, more productive players just because they're playing closer to the line of scrimmage. These are the same guys who are getting beat and not communicating. Uh, so that that's really what the roots of the of some of the problem is here. Uh, the other two things that come to mind to me, Jordan, and I, I certainly don't want to speak for you, but there are two things that jump out to me is one, I can't remember when the last turnover was. I think like week um, six. Yeah, it's, it's it's been it's been bad. So that's what that's also Carolina. What Sean I think there said. was yeah. yeah, I think there was one at the end of the Carolina game, if I'm yeah. remembering when Jacob Eason was in the game. Um, that's the last one I remember. I'm not speaking on the record. It's just the last one that I remember. I think Jordan. It's funny. We just got done watching uh, USC UCLA. I know you were in uh, New Orleans for that, but. Uh, you know, people get people get on the USC defense, rightfully so in some cases, because they give up a ton of points. The other thing that they do is get a ton of turnovers and which is particularly in important moments can mitigate things uh, quite a bit. You give up a lot of yards. Yes, you give up a lot of points. Yes. But if you get those turnovers in the in some critical times, boy, it makes life a whole lot easier. And the Rams have not gotten those turnovers. The other thing to me is red zone defense you can if you if you dink if you allow the other team to dink and dunk down the field that's fine uh but you when you get to a certain point where you're supposed to have that that back wall that that firewall behind you known as the end zone um i i think i was just flipping through my pages here i i think the saints were in the red zone three times and got two touchdowns and a field goal i i believe that's correct uh so if again if that's part of your strategy then there needs to be 
there needs to be a firewall back there at some point where you say, okay, you want to dink and dunk your way all the way down from the 25 down to our 20. Fine, go ahead and do that. But when you get there, we're going to make life miserable for you. And they just haven't done that either. Yeah. And it's a part of the bargain, Rich, because again, it's like, let's hold the space for multiple things in our brains at one time. Like the you can justify like you don't want to be on the field as long as as some of these drives have been that's true you don't want to be on the field you you want to make third down stops which like i said they were doing at a high rate and then like i said i just all of it's just gone sideways at this point you don't want to be on the field for as some of these long like dink and dunk drives have been you want to make the stop but you're making the bargain if you don't make the stop because you're not forsaking the backbreaking explosive because it takes your offense fully out of the game to do so. So if you're saying, okay, our part of the bargain is, okay, we're going to play conservative in that regard. Or we're going to have that allowance in one phase, but that also means that the offense then has to hold up the, and then, and then it's a field goal. Let's say it's a field goal. Then the offense has to also hold up its side of the bargain on the other side. Right. And sustain a drive that's the thing it's like you cannot have one without the other they both have to be true for this plan that the rams have found themselves mired in to actually be effective and then if the defense is giving up touchdowns then again that sets everything sideways and it puts it flips it then it puts more pressure on the offense and so it's it's all of it is it works together. It's like, and and again, go back, go watch what Sean McVay was saying, because he's saying like, it's not just the fact that the defense has had some, you know, coverage breaks and some mistakes on crucial downs, allowing explosives. And it's not just that teams are playing us and only really only one way, because there is only one way to play this team in order to beat this defense. It's not just that. It's also, and he, he mentioned this, it's also on the other side that the offense is not manufacturing explosives themselves. They're not flipping the probabilities. They're not leveraging the advantage of tripling a touchdown rate on a drive by a single pass of 25 plus yards. Right. That's like, it's both of these things are true right. at the same time. And all of it is bad. Yeah. Well, and in people, I know that I know that the phrase, you know, complimentary football can start to sound like a cliche or like just some coach speak or something. But that's exactly what it is, especially when you look at how this team was put together. This team was put together with the idea that it was going to score. I don't know, 30 points a game. Uh, that's just the number that came into my head. I'm not saying anybody had that number, but complimentary football. You are you are designing one half of the scheme based on what you think the other half is going to be able to hold up on their end of it. And at no point in this season can you say that the Rams offense has held up their end of the of this complimentary football. In large part, not their fault. We just spent quite a bit of time talking about the offensive line and how that has made things so difficult. Understood, but that's the reality of the situation. That's how this team was constructed. That's how the scheme was constructed. I do think you can look at certain things, and and I think they have been looking at certain things in terms of how you approach it. But it's not, there's no magic. It, look, these these guys aren't stupid. Like if there was a better way to do this, they would be doing it right now. They they legitimately think, like you said, Jordan, this is still the best way to do it. And that for doesn't everybody mean for not just one side. That's the whole the difference. team. That's for the, the whole that, team. 
it's it's hard it's hard because that's the thing that i feel like most people myself included would get stuck on because if you focus so much on one group you forget about what needs to happen to to help the other group and how everything is so right. interdependent and interconnected it's part of the reason why i think people were making the argument about you know the mortgaging the future or like paying the piper for the f them picks or whatever because they're looking at that part of it they're not looking at actually the entire thing hinged upon having players that were healthy at historic rates for the last five years, missing among the least amount of actual games in the NFL due to injury, according to Football Outsiders tracking of these things. People forget that that's what the entire hinge point of this tightrope walk was. It's not just about one phase or another or another. It's the entire balance of the entire ecosystem, everything, everywhere, all at once. Watch part of it on the plane, Wanted to shout it out. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's exactly right. I mean, that that's constructing a team. You don't just construct an offense and construct a defense. I mean, it's it's how they complement each other. Again, it's not I, I roll. Believe me, I roll my eyes as much as anybody at coach speak or certain phrases. But but this is exactly right. It is. There is such a thing as complementary football, and this is exactly what we're talking about. And when it, it is so askew the way that it has been, like that's there's only so much you can do there. Again, I will reiterate, as I know you believe and say all the time, it doesn't excuse mistakes. It doesn't Correct. excuse uh, miscommunication. It doesn't excuse coaching errors if if some take place. Doesn't excuse any of that. But it is still you still have to look at it holistically and say this is what they are trying to accomplish to win football games, not just to play well on one side of the ball. They the goal is to win the football game, and you have you to have play a certain, to win the game. You play to win the game. Uh, <laughs> yes, you got. Dagger. Yeah. Dagger to my heart. <laughs> well, Jordan, three and seven. Yeah. And, uh, I do want to end on a positive note, Rich. I got to say. Oh, good. Because uh, I was going to say they're yeah. going to Kansas City. So I definitely was Let's not, not going to Let's not think about that for them right now. Yeah. Rams fans need just to take a breather. we got to maybe do some breathing exercise. Crazier sure. things have happened. I do want to say I'd like to take this time to shout out Rams fans in general, overall, all yes. of our listeners, all of our subscribers. I like I had a moment this week where this sounds really dumb. I realize how dumb it sounds. I'm just going to say it like I don't do a lot of social media like I don't do a lot of things, but I started a professional Instagram account and I don't like being looked at and I don't like it just it makes me anxious. Um, I, I like to move kind of more in silence and just learn about stuff and lurk like we always joke about on this podcast, but you guys have been so supportive. It's at Jordan underscore Rodrigue, by the way, I think I'm supposed to share that now. You guys have been so supportive. The messages I've gotten have been so nice. You guys have like cheered me on. You've not made fun of my incredibly terrible, like efforts at cobbling together little movies or whatever reels that they're called. Like, and, and not only that, but, it is a really tough time, not just for Rams players who, for the most part, have been excellent in terms of interacting and being professional during this time. And it's also been, a, I know, a, stra a strange time and probably a frustrating one for Rams fans. But I got to tell you, you guys have been awesome. 
and it's thoughtful questions. Um, it's, it's nuanced discussion with the exception of some of the dialogue that we get into, um, when people sort of helicopter in on some of our like long running conversations that we always have. <laughs> uh, but then, but then we can direct them to the nice, the really cool threads that people do put together. And there's some, so many right. great thoughts that like people share and are not afraid of sharing because we hope to like have this space for everyone to feel what they feel and be who they are. And like, I don't know, it's, it's, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. I'm feeling thankful for Rams fans. I'm feeling thankful to be in a space where we can have these conversations. And like I said, we can get really passionate about this dialogue and this game that we all love so much. And these people who are learning and growing and failing and trying again, all within this space. And we can all sort of share in the delight of getting to learn and and figure it out along the way um, as a group. And I'm really, really stoked to be a part of that. And thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for um, for allowing me to continue to be a part of that for these few years. Yeah, it's I, I would certainly um, stamp that. I mean, I started covering the Rams in 2016 when they went four and 12. <laughs> And uh, it would be, I, I feel like the, the community started to get built up there where it was like, well, you know, the Rams are back, but oh my gosh, are they really bad? And uh, I saw that right away where there was this almost feeling of camaraderie of like, you know, well, we're, we're sticking through this. We're, we're going to, you know, thick and thin, whatever it takes. And, and I've seen some of those very same people, uh, you know, go from, from those lows to the, to the highs of winning the Super Bowl and now back down to some, uh, some lows again, but you, you really do appreciate the, the, the vast, vast majority of those people who, who have that context and who have that perspective and, uh, certainly get upset, certainly don't like to see their team lose, uh, but also maintain a good perspective, um, on life and, and, uh, are, are, great contributors to our online contributions. We hear a lot of bad things about uh, certain social media platforms, but uh, there's also a lot of good that comes out of that and certainly a lot of good interaction. I will say that when, when we thought last week that uh, Twitter might shut down, I, I felt a little sad. I thought I might not be able to hear from some of these people again, the, you know, all these jokes that we share and all these uh, fun times that we've had. But uh I, I know that no matter what happens, we'll we'll find each other uh, again somewhere. But uh, definitely go follow Jordan on Instagram. Oh my! At Jordan underscore Rodrigue. Great reels, great food pictures, a lot of great football insight, and no offense, Jordan, but probably best of all, some good Tucker content oh yeah absolutely yeah. Yeah. i think that's that's really what we're going for here it's it's a it's a it's a tucker uh tucker fan account but yes uh, and, and rich i do want to say mm -hmm. too um you mentioned that four and 12 season and i will leave rams fans with this there okay. is actually no possible way the rams can go four and 12 this <laughs> season another positive so. Guys, we are running. Actually, we're running a black in, in lieu of our uh, normal send off here. I did want to yes. share we're running a Black Friday discount. Yes. Super, super discount week. Right. So make sure you guys are taking advantage of that at theathletic.com. And as always, even if you miss it this week, which you shouldn't, because like this is the time, because let's face it, guys, this group will not stay this way. Things are bad now. But if I know anything about anything about any of this, these people in this crazy crazy ecosystem this will not be this way forever things will change things are already stirring up moving you feel it 
on the back of your neck a little bit. And I always tell Rich, I'm like, I got that feeling, Rich, on the back of my neck. <laughs> and it's it, things will be catalytic probably sooner than we realize, I would, I would assume, knowing this group. Yeah. So if you miss it this week, you can, as always, subscribe to The Athletic through the 11 Personnel Podcast and get my favorite thing in the world, which is a great discount. My favorite yes. thing in the world, as we know, a great discount. But do not miss the Black Friday sale. Definitely want to make sure you guys are capitalizing on that. And to those who celebrate, have a happy Thanksgiving. Yes. Um, to people everywhere, please take care of yourselves. Please take care of each other. Stay caffeinated. Stay hydrated. Rich is laughing. We'll catch you next week. <laughs> <laughs>